0: I started this series on the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes are the best attitudes, that's what they are. They are lifestyle principles, they are heart values, and uh, you know, this coming Saturday we're going to talk to you about the power of the Holy Ghost, but the greatest power comes through character that's been refined and redefined. And so, yeah, uh, Saturday we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost, but the Beatitudes is about the character of Christ, and there's great power in that, and the more we allow His character to influence us. By the way, next Sunday, uh, please grab these, invite your friends. You see there in the reddish color? Sunday, next Sunday, the whole platform is going to be different. We're doing a miracle happens event. Haiti's sister is coming in, Julio's aunt. She was 70% paralyzed down the right side, lost a lot of speech, uh, muddled her words, went deaf in the right ear, could not sit by herself, could not stand by herself. Uh, she could only walk with a frame. Uh, she, they'd post her at the kitchen sink to wash dishes, and she's leaning there, and she would just slowly fall right into the sink. She had no strength whatsoever. She came here. Got prayer, instantly got a hearing back. I said, if God's going to heal your hearing, sweetie, he's ready to heal it all. And uh, we prayed again. She went running around the building. She got her driver's license back. She's got her life back, 100% normal. Dr. Tom Renfro and his wife will be at uh, the desk interviewing her with me. Invite your unsaved friends. Let them see that God still raises the dead. Are you with me, church? Come on, let them see the power of God. Let them hear about the goodness of God. Let's never take this stuff for granted. Amen. All right, so beatitudes. And, um, you know, Paul says, be, um, <clears throat> don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't let your value system, don't let your perspectives, don't let your attitudes, don't let your culture, Your mama's culture, your daddy's culture, your national culture. Don't let these be the things that pattern you or shape you or mold you. Don't be conformed to the patterns of the God of this world. In church, too often that is what happens. We come to church, but we don't get enough of the Word of God inside of us. We're we're here so. Short, you know, it's like a tea bag that is waved over the hot water, doesn't even get a chance to soak in the hot water. And then we want that tea to have flavor. Listen, we are inundated by the world's attitudes all the time. And we need to let God's attitude, his heart, his perspective be the umpire. In how we see life. And how we do life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 5 verse 5. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. We already did blessed are the poor. And I explained how when you look at it scripturally. It's blessed are those who aren't arrogant. Who don't have their heads up in the air. uh, Who aren't full of themselves. But have come to a place of being humble. Blessed are they that mourn. People mourn for the wrong reasons. That doesn't automatically get you a blessing. Blessed are they who could step into the shoes of a less fortunate person and mourn with them. for They will be comforted. See, all of this, the Beatitudes start with breaking down pride and arrogance and haughtiness, prejudice. Racism, all of that nonsense, all of the sins of the flesh. And when we get rid of pride, then we can mourn with somebody, feel what they feel, step into their shoes and care about them. Empathy is feeling, you know, putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Compassion is putting the other in better shoes. Compassion is empathy in action. I shared that last week. It's all online. You can listen to it for free. I'm not trying to sell this stuff. This is the Word of God. But today, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And in the Greek, the word meek here is the word praus, which means mild and gentle. Okay, so just mild-mannered, gentle. What's Jesus saying? I said that many times we interpret Scripture from the context, we in, and when you look at the context of the Beatitudes, you'll see He's constantly breaking away everything that makes us proud and indifferent, and He's constantly talking about a heart that is soft and caring. But we also learn what the Word of God is saying by looking at God's perspective. And so we're going to do that. We're going to interpret this Scripture by looking at God's perspective. Because God actually calls a man, a certain man, the meekest man that ever lived. And so we're going to have a look at this, guy, so that we get into God's head, so that we understand what God's concept of meekness is and why it's so big on God's agenda, <clears throat> So blessed are the make, for they will inherit the earth. We'll get into that as well. What does it really mean to inherit the earth? I'm going to say this here. If you were to look up uh, uh, the study book, Helps Word Studies. We're going to put that up there. Helps Word Studies. They say biblical meekness is not weakness. But rather, it refers to exercising God's strength under His control. Well, let's scrub that and let's make it even more simple. This is what I wrote. Meekness is exercising the power of God with the mercy and the grace of God. Meekness is having power. Having authority and having grace and mercy all bundled up together. You see, because there's something about position. Oftentimes, when we step into a position, pride steps in also. I I know a fella, I love him, but I've known him most of my life, and every time he's ever been put into a position, it would go to his head and destroy him. He'd turn into a monster. It's almost like he should come with a warning label. Do not exalt into a position of power or authority. He would just become a monster. Pride does that. It says here in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, Now the man Moses was very meek, above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. God says this. So let's check out Moses and find out what qualifies meekness in God's understanding. And so I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here. I'm going to cover a lot of ground. But, I, you know, we're praying, God, we want to see like you see. We want to, we want to know you. We want to understand you. Because if I'm gonna become like Christ, if I'm gonna become like my Father, I need to know where my thinking's out of order. I need to know where my heart is out of order. And then I need to pull those things together, and the anchor is the Word of God. We must line our lives up with the Word of God. Now you can do that, you could read the Word of God in a legalistic fashion and try to line everybody else up to the Word of God in a legalistic fashion, but with the Word of God comes the heart of God. The letter of the law will always kill, but the spirit of the law brings life, and Jesus was the epitome of the moral standard of the law he said I haven't come to abolish it I've come to fulfill it I've lived it and then he's also the epitome of the spirit of the law Jesus in Matthew 23 23 said to the Pharisees you know the religious dudes he says, you know, you guys, you, 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 you practice the Lord to an exactitude where you'll even measure to a fraction of an ounce how much cumin you're going to tithe and how much this you're going to tithe. And you take your spices and you, you get your little tweezers out and t- to the fraction. He said, and so you should. And so you should, Jesus said, on the topic of tithing. He said, but you've forgotten the weightier things of the law, mercy, justice, and faithfulness. The law without the spirit of God's heart will create prisons, handcuffs. The law of God is good, but it's especially good when it's coupled with God's heart. Can I get an amen? And so, Jesus here in the Beatitudes, he's really talking about what makes us ugly and what can make us beautiful. And he says, Blessed are the meek. So, in Exodus chapter 2, there's a story here. Baby Moses is born to a, a woman who is a slave. 400 years, the Hebrew children or Hebrew people are slaves in Egypt. Moses is born to a slave woman. She puts him in a wicker basket, floats him down the Nile because Pharaoh wants to kill all the young Hebrew males. They're populating too much. And Pharaoh's daughter's bathing there. And she finds this baby, takes him home, and raises her as his son. So this baby, Moses grows up knowing because his sister was an attendant to the princess, and he grows up knowing that he was a Hebrew. And that his race were being prejudiced against. They were being abused. They were being treated like dogs. Less than. But he grew up in the privilege of Pharaoh's courts. He grew up in the lap of luxury. And when you read this story, uh, one day he goes out and he finds an Egyptian treating a fellow Hebrew person very cruelly and roughly. And Moses takes matters into his hand. He has power. He's a slave who's been brought into the palace and treated like a son. He's stepped up. He's going to use this position. He's going to use this power. And he's going to deal with this hypocrisy and this cruelty and He has a wound, he has a bruise, he has an angst, he has an anger. And he strikes the Egyptian and kills him. And realizes what he did. And thought, heck, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble if Pharaoh finds out. And the Bible says he hid the man in the sand. The next day he comes out and he finds two of his own. No different than the Egyptian was treating the slave, two of his own. Who thinks he's better than the other and for whatever reason fighting among themselves bias, prejudice, envy, anger, unforgiveness, whatever the story. And Moses comes and tries to talk. and says, hey, why are you guys fighting each other? Come on, come on. You're the same people. You're brothers. You see... Racism isn't really a color issue. It's a sin issue. I don't want racism in this house because it doesn't belong in the kingdom of God. And you will never find it in the heart of Jesus Christ. If we're going to see people by their color, then let's see red, the blood of Jesus. Yes, I don't know any other color. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? I shared a story how I went to preach in Zambia, and this white African, South African man was berating in the airport a, 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 an indigenous fella, a dark-skinned fella, and I, I wanted to get out of my seat and punch him out. And then the next trip, I'm flying into Malawi, And uh, here's an African woman coming out of a store whose skin was just slightly lighter than her fellow man and berating him and treating him like rubbish. And this exists in every culture. I'm not having a shot at one people group. I'm having a shot at humanity. Pride destroys us. Pride makes us fight each other and hate each other. and we, we got to get off our high horse. And remember, we're all sinners without Jesus, and we're all broken. And it's only by the grace of God that any of us are anything in the first place. Can I get an amen? Come on. If you got offended at what I just said then you've misunderstood my heart. We're all equal. We're equally sinners on our way to hell, and we're equally sons of God if we let Jesus Christ into our heart. Amen. Amen. And so here's Moses. He does that, and the Hebrew, one of the Hebrew fellows says, what are you going to do, kill us like you did the Egyptian? And he says, oh, my God, I've been found out. If Pharaoh gets swindled this here, I'm toast. And so he runs away, goes into the wilderness, into Midian, And he's sitting down at a well contemplating his fate. He started as a slave boy, was fortunate to rise up in power, then used his power and his voice in the wrong way, and now he's hunted. As he's sitting at the well, a priest who has seven daughters, the daughters come to fill their jugs at the well at the trough, to water their animals, and some other shepherds come, I assume they're men, and they push the women away and say, we need to water our animals. And Moses gets up, and he sees a whole other level of prejudice, and he sees this women are lesser than attitude, and he stands up, and he defends these women, and he fills their jars with water. I would venture to say that Moses is struggling within himself and trying to understand life and why are we the way we are? The injustices, the cruelty, the the obnoxiousness we get. One people group to another people group, then people in the same people group, but now it's male against female. And he reacts. Well, of course, these girls... They get home early because Moses had helped them and sped things up, and he protected them. And the father said, who did this? How would you get home so early? And they said, oh, we met this really good-looking Egyptian guy. And so the father offers his daughter, one of his daughters, to Moses, and he ends up marrying her. Now, I want you to remember that, okay, because that will play into the next story. But we're looking at why did God call this guy meek? You see... He comes out of a wicker basket and goes into the palace and he grows up with all the luxuries of Egypt, but he's out of kilter. He's out of kilter. He remembers where he came from, but he's just full of anger and he wants to deal with injustice out of the wrong heart attitude. He messes up in a big way and now he's out of the palace and he's being hunted like a dog. And he's trying to get with God and he's trying to work out life and he's sitting at this well and then he sees this male chauvinist attitude and women being treated like dogs. And both groups of people were just going to water their animals. So how did the women become less than the men? And all the women said, You say, thank you, pastor, or, you know, I mean, throw me a bone. <laughs> you got a candy in your pocket throw me a candy i mean he's seeing the inequality the injustice he's seeing the condition of people's hearts and how silly we get now watch this here god takes moses he has a revelation the burning bush if you don't know the story i really urge you to read some of these old testament stories they're fascinating but why did god call moses the meekest man in the world Moses realized that he was responding with power out of the wrong heart. He has this encounter with God, and God says, Now, Pharaoh, who was your, your, your mother's adopted mother's father, he died. There's a new Pharaoh. I want you to go there and tell him I want my people to be set free. So Moses is freaking out. He goes. God does all these miraculous things. We don't have time to cover them. But man, the power of God, boom, bang, wham, all this amazing, miraculous stuff. They get through the Red Sea. They're delivered Pharaoh's 300 chariots of gold and his best charioteers are all drowned in the Red Sea. Moses takes these three million slave people to the other side. Yay! We just beat Egypt. And we come to the next passage of Scripture, which I find, again, fascinating insight into The journey of who Moses is changing into, the heart change, the mind change that's taking place. And the reason why the the heart change and mind change is important is because that's the same journey God wants to take us on. And so if we look at the next scripture, uh, Numbers chapter 11, verse 24 And the people have been grumbling, we're tired of manna, we're tired of manna, we want meat, we want meat. God says to Moses, they want meat, I'm going to give them so much meat, it's going to come out of their nose. It's in the Bible, he said that. All right? They don't appreciate what I've given them, I'm going to end up making them hating even the meat. But I want you to call them together. Did I say something wrong? Amber alert. Okay. Let's pray. That means there's a child that just went missing. What are we Christians for if we don't stop and pray? Come on, let's pray. Come on. Jesus. Father, right now. Whoever this child is, deliver them, spare them, find them, bring them to safety in the name of Jesus. Whatever the circumstance is, Holy Spirit, intervene. We bind the forces of darkness. You foul devils that mean evil intent in Jesus' name. Father, cause them to be bound now. With the words of our mouth, Holy Ghost, go and bind those spirits and make them powerless inside of their host. Whatever the situation is, Father, let justice come, let safety come, let righteousness come and free this child in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You know what? I got no problem with an Amber Alert going off in church. In fact, I've often thought, how do we start a movement that across America that get 100,000 people that as soon as an Amber Alert goes off, everyone drops to their knees and starts to pray? I'm glad it happened in church. That didn't interrupt me at all. Not an inconvenience. Can I get an Amen. Numbers 11, so God says to Moses... What he said, I'm going to give them quail. And so Moses went out, verse 24, told the people what the Lord had said, and he brought together 70 of their elders, 70 of the elders. It wasn't all the elders. He got 70 of the elders and had them stand around the tent. And then the Lord came down, so 70 of them came out of the camp, and they came to the tent where Moses would meet with God, okay? Not all the elders, 70 of the elders. They came to the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, Moses, and he, Moses, took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him, and he put it on the 70 elders. And when the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but not so again. In other words, after that moment, they never prophesied again. But as Moses put the power of the Spirit on them, the gift that was on him, he puts it on them, they prophesied. Now, next verse, however, two men whose names are Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp and they were listed among the elders. Not all the elders were assembled, only 70. They stayed in the camp. The others went to the tent. And, but they did not go to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them and they were prophesying in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, this is the young buck coming up. He ends up leading Israel after Moses. He's an apprentice. He has things to learn. And Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since his youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? What that means is, who am I? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put His Spirit on all of them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Here's this guy. At all the power of God was coming out of his fingertips, miraculous things. He's going to go down in the books of history. And Moses, the great man of God. And two dudes that didn't get selected to come near the tent, the, their heart was so ripe, they catch God from a distance. And here's uh, Joshua getting all perturbed and out of whack like uh, they weren't part of the 70. We were part of the 70. They're not part of the 70. They shouldn't be prophesying. And it's like Moses is saying, dude, do you understand? They can't prophesy unless the Spirit of God came on them. Are you going to argue with the Spirit of God? you getting offended for me? Let's understand something. I got over my ego trip and my power trip. I pray that every son of God would be so full of the Spirit that they would all prophesy. What a change of heart. What a transition. A man who is so full of his own power and authority that he takes legal matters into his hands and tries to settle justice with a punch and ends up killing somebody... Then he tries to lecture two of his own fellows and he gets caught out for his own hypocrisy. He runs to the desert and finds that arrogance and prejudice and pride lives even in the desert on every level. And then here's Joshua, this good kid. He was a good kid. He had been faithful to Moses, but he needed an attitude correction. When we get an attitude correction, we could get a heart transformation. You see, when the Word of God is preached, you can either get an attitude correction or an attitude correction. But when you get an attitude correction, you get a visitation from the Holy Spirit, and you get a transformation. When you get an attitude, you get a chip, and when you get a chip, you take offense, and then you got a little demon who will sit on that chip in your shoulder, and from the rest of your life, from that point on, you will see through the eyes of that demon. You know what? When the Word of God hits me a bit in the back of the head, I want to say thank you, Jesus. Bring the change, bring the change, bring the change. Because if the Holy Ghost isn't bringing the change, the devil's going to bring something else. You see, either the Holy Ghost, thank you, Ross, either the Holy Ghost will bring the change, change, or the devil will bring the chains. And it'll become a point of bondage in our lives. Are you hearing me, church? Praise God. So watch this. You flip over almost to the next chapter. And uh, Moses called it good, you know. But the next chapter, Numbers 12. Let's go to Miriam. Miriam. And Aaron. Miriam is Moses' sister. Aaron is her husband, Moses' brother in law. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Remember when Moses helped these seven girls, the daughters of a priest of Midian? This is her. Some say, and she was an Ethiopian from that region. Some Bible dictionaries will say she was darker in color. Some say she, she was black. I don't know what she was. I, I, I don't know what she was. But the one common denominator that we can say she was, she was in Hebrew. You know what that means? She was different. And after God moves through Moses... And he's the man. They're having a religious attitude because she's different. So God steps in. You see, we live in such a political era. We live in such a tense, dramatized event of history constantly unfolding around us and we jump in all these different ships and all these different boats, we got to make sure that we are grounded in the Word of God so that we have the heart of God. If the salt becomes like everything else, how do we influence and bring change? That was way too quiet for me. Everybody's trying to figure out, okay, where's he going to go politically with this? I'm not preaching politics, and I'm not going to play that game. I'm preaching Jesus Christ. I'm preaching what the Christian response should be, what our attitude should be. Because the enemy will set up bait on the left, and he will set up bait on the right, and before you know it, we're throwing watermelons at each other. And the bottom line is, we need to have the heart of God in every situation. So watch this here. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. And then the Lord's, um, let me read it there. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? Remember, 70 guys just prophesied because Moses took the anointing that was on him and he put it on them. Here you are, next chapter, Moses' sister has got a bee in her bonnet and she's looking at her husband and thinking, you know, she, she's not even one of us. She shouldn't be here. Who's Moses? God uses us also. Hasn't he spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. See, that's the scary bit, Folks. That's what makes me walk on my tippy toes, because he hears it. And even when I think I'm smart enough to actually not let it out of my mouth, he reads this. Verse 3. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble or more meek than anyone on the face of the earth. Verse 4. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting. Come to the woodshed. We're having a come to Jesus moment. I want the three of you. At once the Lord said to Moses, and Aaron, and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, the three of you. So the three of them went out. Verse 5, Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud, and He stood at the entrance to the tent, and He summoned Aaron and Miriam. And when the two of them stepped forward, He said, Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal Myself to them in visions, and I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true My servant Moses. He is faithful in all My house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Verse 9. The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. Next verse. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. And Aaron turned towards her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Bad attitude is a sin. Pride is a sin. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. Next verse. So Moses cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. Stop. This is the guy who went from being a slave's son to growing up in the palaces of Egypt. It went to his head he takes matters into his own hand, and out of his own hurt, his own want for vengeance, he acts, and he acts totally out of character with God. He has to run off to the desert and have a come to me meeting with God the Father through a burning bush. And what he's seeing is it's not just the Egyptians, it's even my fellow men. And it's men towards women, it's just humanity we're crazy, we're broken, we're all messed up. And then here's this young guy, uh, Joshua, a young Hebrew guy. You know, he's one of us, he's a good old boy. He attended to Moses, and here he is getting jealous that two guys who didn't come to the tent are prophesying by the Holy Ghost. Duh, by the Holy Ghost. And Moses says, come on, young man. It's like when, you know, Jesus went to one of the Gentile towns on his way to Jerusalem and they didn't receive him. They were annoyed. The Samaritans were annoyed that he was heading to Jerusalem. So they they stopped up their ears. They didn't want to hear him. And, And John and James got offended for Jesus and they said, Lord, you want us to call down fire? See, Elijah, the prophet in the old covenant, he did that. You know what Jesus said? You don't know what spirit you're partaking of right now. We could become arrogant and we could use our influence in a wrong way. And Moses had a a journey where he realized that he was as broken as everybody else. He had become a murderer. And now he's showing grace and mercy. This is the dude who has one rod and the seven magicians of Egypt come and they each have a rod, seven snakes, Moses throws down his rod, that one snake eats the other seven. This is the guy who calls one plague after another. This is the guy who takes his rod, taps the Red Sea and it parts, and 300 of The greatest empire at that time's military men are drowned while they walked across safely. This is the guy who is standing in the shadow of God's power. This is the only person the Bible ever talks about that is hidden in the cleft of a rock. And he says, God, show me your glory. And God puts wave after wave of his presence over Moses and baptizes him. He'd have every right to be arrogant. I haven't reached an infinitesimal amount of what Moses experienced. And I get arrogant sometimes. And pride is a, a condition of the fallen nature. And sweetheart, it's in all of us. Yeah, I didn't get enough amens. I said, sweetheart, it's in all of us and it makes us ugly. Here's Moses. He could have turned around and said, God dealt with you, didn't he? Hey, you got something to say now? Oh, now you want me to pray for you? Yeah, right? I thought God worked through you as much as he worked through me. No, the man's heart starts to break, and he starts to cry out, God, please be merciful. Wow. I got to tell you, over the last couple of years, I've gained a phenomenal appreciation for this guy, Moses. I've started to see him like I've never seen him before. And he impresses me a lot. So the next verse, watch this. He cries out to God, heal him. The Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spitted her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days, and after that she can be brought back. Here's God saying to Moses, give me a break. At least seven days. She's done wrong. She needs to come to terms with the pride that's in her heart. Here's Moses interceding between a sinner and a holy God. You know why? Because he found himself in the place of the sinner too. What am I saying? I know who I am in Christ, but I haven't forgotten Who I can be outside of Christ. And I think it's really important that we keep this balance in our heart. In Christ, I can do all things. In Christ, I'll talk to you about how to raise the dead. In Christ, I want to lay hands on you so that you prophesy even more than me. And outside of Christ, I can be reckless, I can be foolish, and I've made some mistakes. But here's the thing. Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What's he talking about, church? Remember, I said this is the enviable life. This whole series is called the enviable life. He says, Blessed, blessed, blessed. You're to be favored, you're to prosper. The the, the sun, the moon, and everything that comes from God should shine on you if you have these attitudes. Stay with me. I'm about to wrap this here up. And uh, here we go. In conclusion, you know, even in Psalm 37, verse 11, Jesus was quoting the Psalms. He's, in Psalm 37, verse 11, it says, But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. This principle is so important to God that he gets, that Jesus, God in the flesh, repeats it and puts it in the Beatitudes. Here. We read Matthew 5.5. 5. Simply put, this is my breakdown of that verse. Simply put, blessed are those people that when they arrive, they don't forget where they came from and how they got there. For these level-headed people who don't become proud, vain, or conceited in their newfound position and power are the kind of people I can trust with power and authority. Therefore, they will be the inheritors of the earth, and they shall lead and govern, and they will be blessed. Do you want the enviable life? Because Jesus is giving a sermon here on the kind of heart attitudes we need to develop for the blessing of God to come on us without limitation. And we can preach the prosperity doctrine, and I believe in being prosperous in Christ, uh, even financially. I believe in that stuff. There are balances to everything. But here's Jesus saying, God wants to bless you, but you got to have the right attitude because when your heart's not right, power will corrupt And absolute power will absolutely corrupt, or corrupt absolutely, okay? You see, there's the balance. And real power comes out of character. Beatitudes are about having the character and the heart and the attitude of our Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay? Meekness. This is my definition of meekness. Meekness. When position doesn't go to your head, power will be put in your hand. When position doesn't go to your head, power will be put in your hand. God will bless you. When you get this heart attitude right, he can trust you. And he can put you in positions of governance, governing, and power and influence. Come on, let's stand. The longer I I preach and I'm a pastor, the more I appreciate how difficult this job is. Because on the one hand, you want to uphold a righteous standard. And on the other hand, you have to balance your zeal for what's right with the heart of God, a mercy and grace, and never forget where you yourself came from. You see, bottom line, when I have to deal with people, I take time to think about how my Father dealt with me, my Heavenly Father. I don't take time to think about how churches in the past have dealt with me or how some religious leaders have dealt with me. God knows my stuff inside and out. And I think about his grace, thank you, and His mercy, and His patience. And I realize that to God, it's about the journey. And it's more about getting the journey right than just the moment right. And we so quickly forget where we came from. I will always preach to you about who you are in Jesus Christ. But let's never forget that the minute we step outside of that heart into our old heart, we're ugly. Yeah, I didn't get any amens that time. As soon as we step outside of the heart of Jesus, we are ugly. And if you can't say amen, you ain't looked in the mirror lately. Jesus, I want to be more like you. God, I want to be more like you. He walked down the roads, and sinners loved him. Not because they'd get away with their sin. He had no trouble saying, go and sin no more. But before he said that, he understood them. He felt them. He heard them. We start to get a few things right in our lives, and Right away, you know, we stack up the soap boxes and we're ready to preach and tell everyone else what they should be doing and how they're doing it wrong. i gotta be honest, the longer I'm around, the more hesitant I get to preach because I know how quickly and easily I can make a mistake. heart attitude, the best attitudes, the beatitudes, you want the blessed life, then let the best attitude that God has be at you. Whether you look at a person who's a different culture or different color, or you look at a person who's messed up more than you and you look down and you got contempt or annoyance and you're fed up with them. That's pride. That's arrogance. And that needs to go. Because in God's economy, that's even more woeful than other things. I want to position you. Do you understand? I want to position you so that you're blessed. I want to position you so that you get elevated and promoted. I want to position you so that the sons of God will take their stand on the edge of the universe and govern in the spirit world and govern in the natural world. But that's only going to happen as we let the heart of Jesus be in us. Every day, I remind myself, it's amazing grace that got me here. And it's amazing grace that keeps me here. And it's amazing because it's nothing like what I would do. And so I want to do more like how he would do. Church, we all need a heart change. And we need to, in everything, become the peacemakers that this world needs. We need to be the Jesus factor the Jesus influence. Yep, people on the left and people on the right, they're all screwing up. And the guy in the middle is screwing up too. And that's us. And we need to just keep our hearts humble and keep our hearts full of grace and mercy. I love high standards. But I wasn't born there. And I'm still not there. And yet God uses me in the meantime. I don't think anyone here could understand how amazing this grace is more than me. Because I'm the fool he uses to preach. And I am quite happy before somebody wants to come out of the shadows and accuse me of something. I'm quite happy to tell you. I'm guilty of everything I've ever done. And even guilty of the things I didn't have the nerve to do. But they were in my heart. I was a sinner. I am a son. And if I step out of my sonship, I'll be a silly sinner again. I know who I am in Christ. I'm going to stand with confidence and power and authority. But because of who I was and who I am, I'm going to bend down to everybody and try to show the love of God, the grace of God, and the mercy of God. And if you think maybe I've captured God's heart today, why don't you give Him a thank offering? Let's be the church, in the community, in the workplace. The arguments we would normally just jump on the bandwagon with or the reactions we would have to our wife, our husband, our our sons, our daughters. Your kids are going to come to you and they're going to have screwed up royally. Are you going to be the dad who forgot when he was a kid? Look, your dad probably handled you wrong. But how did your heavenly dad handle you? Because as your pastor, my heavenly dad is still showing me grace. And I'm glad he does. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm glad I got through that one. (laughs) I didn't get any rotten tomatoes thrown at me. Praise God. Listen, if you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, you really need to accept this wonderful Savior. We're all broken. We're all lost. And it's only in Jesus that we can find our way. If you've never invited Him to come into your heart, if you're not sure whether or not your sins are forgiven, the Bible says, though they be many, scarlet, filled with horrendous memory he'll wash them all away every eye closed if you need to say yes to jesus put your hand up come on if that's you say yes good on you buddy god bless you who else come on you can put your hand down thank you sir god bless you awesome proud of you you can put your hand down sir god bless you who else put your hand up say i want to accept jesus I want him to be my Lord and Savior. I want him to come into my heart. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. God bless you. I appreciate the honesty.